Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast coming at you on Wednesday, May 26th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Sam Ehrman and Matt Nine. Got a special episode for y'all today. We are going to do our rookie super flex PPR mock draft one tight end. Uh, we haven't really done a rookie draft with all of us, so very excited to get into that, let you guys know kind of how our, our drafts, draft boards break down here. Remember, while you're with us, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Check out our foundation rankings. We've got running back metrics, wide receiver metrics. Matt's done a great job of that. Matt and Andrew have, have some really good metrics. Sam has a lot of his scouting stuff in there. We also have our NFL database where you can get everything you'd ever want in one place about every team in the NFL. And if you just want to check it out before signing up, head on over to ffballday.com backslash Patreon. Check out what we're offering. Check out our testimonials. I think you'll like what you see. With that said. Okay. Hold on. I want to cut you off. I want, I want to cut you off. Breaking news out of San Francisco. Breaking news. Running back Jeff Wilson recently underwent surgery to report a torn meniscus. Wilson is expected to miss, miss the next four to six months. Wow. That's the first injury domino to fall this year. And it is a Trey Sermon tweet. And Elijah Mitchell immediately get that boost. Well, they I suspect they'll be drafted in our three-round mock today. So we'll see. Uh, that That's significant. Like that – Jeff Wilson was projected to be the starter like before. So that's big. That is very sure. big. And and I, I have Raheem Mostert in, in a, wow. just, I think just one league and it boosts him, but he'll probably get hurt too along the way. So definitely Trey Sermon and, and Elijah Mitchell uh, definitely helps them. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's a little breaking news to start your podcast. Cause when you're finding out about this at home, we just found out about it together. That's crazy. I wow. think right off the top, one more thing, though, is that Mostert was not really a lock to even make the 53. So with Jeff Wilson going down, I think Mostert now definitely makes the 53. And a, a meniscus injury is no joke because you can get over that, but that lingers. So he'll, he'll be playing through that probably for the rest of his career. Yeah, that, that stinks. Well, yeah, I, that's a bummer. You never like to see these injuries, but uh, – well, Matt, I just if you're interested in your uh, Oceans League, Raheem Mostert is now officially on the trading block. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm set. I think I'm set in that league. He's set, but he might be after Trey Sermon in our in our uh, mock today. We'll see. Let's uh let's get into the mock with that breaking news. Again, this is going to be a super flex, full PPR, one tight end. We're going three rounds. With that being said, Matt, you're on the clock with the first overall pick. So it's pretty chop for me here. Going Trevor Lawrence. He's my QB, one of the class. You know, great spot in Jacksonville. Lots of weapons. We'll keep it easy. We'll keep it simple. 
Yeah. Um, at two, I'm going Trey Lance. Um, I, I, him and Justin Fields for me were neck and neck. I trust Kyle Shanahan uh, way more than I trust Matt Nagy and the weapons they got out there. So I'm going Trey Lance. Yeah, so with the third pick, I uh, I thought long and hard about this, uh, as long and hard as you can in this, this short time that uh, we've been running this mock here. And I'm actually going to throw a, the first curveball, and maybe it's a curveball, maybe it's not, but I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Uh, I really like Justin oh. Fields. I do think he's neck and neck with Trey Lance. I don't love the Bears landing spot as much. Uh, really, I just think Fields and Zach Wilson both have – a lot of question marks they have high ceilings low floors and i just really want the certainty of having a, a wide receiver the level of jamar chase so i'm going to take him at third and it's back to you matt with the fourth pick yeah so for four i don't feel like it's a reach and i'm going to go ahead and do it i'm going to take javante here um he's he's my guy here at four he's my rb one of the class i like him over Najee, uh and i like him over etn i uh, got Najee's my rb2 they're close but i'm i'm looking down the road like i understand Najee's gonna have more volume this year than javante will but that steel the steelers o-line didn't get any better they only lost pieces they really didn't add anybody and i understand Najee's gonna get his crazy workload but that doesn't mean he's still going to be successful behind that line you know there could be several games where he has 20 carries for 60 yards and, you know, that's, you know, six points uh, in fantasy, but, you know, he could score three touchdowns and then there's going to be those boom games. And then there's also going to be the games where he has, you know, 50 yards and no touchdowns. Um, and then we look down the road a little bit. Um, I, I just like Javante. I think he's going to take over that, that RB1 role quickly. And we talked about it last week, you know, this time next year, I think he's a fringe, you know, top 12 guy. And then, you know, two years from now, I think he's in the, you know, top five, top four conversation. So. All right. Um, I I mean, like that's a spicy pick in my opinion. Like, I love Javante, but um, I don't hate the pick. Um, four. So at five, I'm going Justin Fields. Um, with this team, hypothetically, I mean, I imagine you just played the board and they just got who I would believe at that position in a super flex league, the best player available. Um, can't really overthink that one. So I'm sure this team would be very happy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good pick, having Fields there at five. I certainly would have taken him at six. It does make my selection a little tougher here with a guy like Najee Harris still on the board. But I am going to go with Zach Wilson. I believe in his talent. Uh, I just think, as I mentioned, he's, he's a bit of a risky prospect. Uh, I like his arm talent, but we've seen it before. Arm talent doesn't always win out in the NFL. But I do want to say, like, if you don't like a quarterback – don't necessarily reach just because it's Superflex. I have built Superflex teams that win titles without having an elite quarterback. You can do it. It makes life easier if you have a, a, a strong uh, you know, quarterback situation. But don't reach for one if you don't like one. But I do like Zach Wilson, so I'm going to take him here at six. All right, so here at seven, uh, I'm actually – was thinking about it. And I think I'm going to take Chad's advice here. I think Mac Jones is probably the last best available uh, quarterback on the board, but I actually think I'm going to diversify here a little bit. Uh, we've been, you know, here talks of Julio getting moved, which Kyle Pitts is that, that cheat code we've talked about, you know, one of the best tight ends uh, in the last decade, top, probably top three, top two uh, tight end prospects. So I'm going to go Kyle Pitts here at seven. All right. Well, 
I mean, that's probably who I was going to take, but since Matt took him, I'll just take who I believe is arguably the best blue chip. So I'm going to take Najee and uh, at eight, be very happy with that selection. Solid picks there, back-to-back, guys that I would have taken. But here at nine, I'm happy to draft Devontae Smith, who was my wide receiver, too. I think he's going to have a big uh, target share in Philadelphia, a chance to come in and immediately be the wide receiver one. I'm not too concerned about his weight. Uh, I think he still finds ways to win at the NFL level, and I think he could be a really good player for a very long time with the Eagles. So I'll take him at nine, and it's back to you, Matt, at 10. All right, so Mac Jones fell. I'm going to go Mac Jones here at, at pick 10. Um, like like Chad alluded to, you know, the more quarterbacks you have, at least starting quarterbacks, um, the easier it is to win in Superflex. Uh, and if you necess- don't necessarily believe in Mac Jones, you know, if you take him at 10, you know, there might be somebody out there that might might pay more than, than what you're taking him for right here. So I'm going to go Mac Jones. Uh, I got two of the top five quarterbacks of the class uh, to go along with my RB1 and tight end one. All right, so here I'm going to take uh, with pick 11. I'm going Travis Etienne. Um, I think he's the best player available. Um, he's going to, you know, it's, it sucks if you're a James Robinson guy, which we all like James Robinson, but Travis is going to be the guy moving forward. Probably be a PPR monster, um, and I'd be very happy with getting him at 11. Yeah, Etienne at 11 is very good value. I This is <laughs> – This is a pick that I would not have made a few minutes ago, but with the news of Jeff Wilson going down, I am going to take Trey Sermon at 12. Um, I don't know that he's a great player, but Shanahan likes him a lot, and he's at the very least the 1B in that backfield now. Uh, You know, Raheem Moser, we we touched on him. He's a good player. He gets hurt a lot, and I think Trey Sermon's going to come in and so much of the running back position is opportunity in the NFL. And he's certainly going to have it now. So give me Trey Sermon here at 12. I think it's the highest I've seen him go mock or actual draft. Yeah. And I'm expecting his ADP to rise a lot now. And it's, it's tough to get running backs, man. It's tough to find guys that get a consistent workload. And I think he's going to going to now. Yep. All right. So top of the second round here at 201. I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman and get my first wide receiver for this team. Uh, He was brought into Baltimore to be the wide receiver one. Uh, Should he should elevate Lamar Jackson's play and he should also command the majority of the target share that will be going around in Baltimore. Uh, he's also a phenomenal route runner. He's big, athletic, he's strong. So I'm going to go with Bateman here at 201. All right, 202. I'm going to slam that Jalen Waddle draft button. Um, I've just continuously with this situation been taking best player available. And I think that's Jalen Waddle. Um, 2.2 is a great value. I mean, the kid's a stud. He'll be the number one guy for years to come. So I'd be happy with that pick any day of the week. Yeah, I love getting Waddle there. I certainly would have taken him if you were still on the board. But at 203, give me Michael Carter. I just talked about running backs coming in and having a a consistent workload. I think Carter, I think he's going to have to earn it, but I think he can and I think he will. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes there. And I think he's a better all-around back than Coleman or uh, P. Ryan. So 
Give me Michael Carter at 203. I love I love him there. All right. So 204, I think I'm going to go with another wide receiver. I think I'm going to go Terrace Marshall. Um, I think he's a good pick. I'm not I'm not overly excited about his potential 2021 production. Uh, but as we've talked about in a previous episode, you know, this is probably Robbie Anderson's last year in Carolina. There still is a potential chance of Deshaun Watson ends there. So moving forward and looking down the road uh, 12 months from now, Terrace Marshall could could very well be in that top 24 uh, dynasty wide receiver discussion. So I'm going to go ahead and snack him here at 204. You know, I agree um, with the Terrace Marshall thing. And that's it's just super interesting to see that, like, He's somebody you know is going to be good, but you have to wait one year because Robbie's still in the building. Um, with two five, I'm going Elijah Moore. Um, I, I think he's arguably the most talented kid up in New York. Uh, high draft capital. He's already building that connection with Zach Wilson. That, you know, could be special. So with two five, I'd be very happy with that pick as well. Yeah, I uh, I also would be happy with that pick. It was the one that I was going to make here, but I. I'm okay with it. I think I'll take uh, Rondell Moore here at 206. I'm not the biggest Rondell Moore fan, but he is an explosive athlete and he's in a really good offense now. They do have a little bit of a crowded wide receiver room, but I don't love any of their wide receivers after DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, They're not really a team that utilizes their tight end a lot. They signed Dan Arnold, but I don't expect him to see a ton of targets. So I could see them working Rondell Moore in finding uh, ways to get him the ball. And at the end of the day, using a mid second round pick on such an explosive athlete, I think is, is worth it. If I'm not mistaken, Dan Arnold is in Carolina now. Oh, you're right. Dan I think, I think Max, Max Williams is the tight end one there, but it, your point remains the same. It's like, Oh, sure. Williams. Like, right. So, yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. I forgot that, uh, Dan, the man Arnold was in Carolina, but yeah, that's same, same thing applies. All right here. So at two Oh seven, I'm going to take one of my absolute favorite players in this draft. I'm going to go with Nico Collins out of Michigan here. Uh, I tweeted about him a couple weeks ago. Um, my comp for him is, you know, your poor man's version of Chase Claypool. He's not nearly as athletic. He's not nearly as physical, but he is still big. He is still strong and he runs a four, four and guys that are, you know, six, four, you know, 200 plus pounds uh, that move like him. They don't, they don't come around often. And year one, he's going to see a massive target share out of the gate. He's the only big man uh, that they have uh, down there in Houston. Uh, He'll be the wide receiver too, immediately behind cooks. Uh, There is some hesitation on, you know, who's throwing the ball this year. Uh, You know, it's probably going to be Mills. Some it's probably gonna be Tyrod. Some it might even be somebody else. Um, so again, I think it's a little bit like the Terrace Marshall pick. I think you're looking for a solid year one developmental year, just kind of get your foot in the ground. And then year two, you really should take off. All right. Well, um, I don't hate the pick, but obviously I would disagree with your selection because you left me your boy, my boy. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at all, um, you know that I'm a big fan of this kid's game. This kid's going to be a star. I'm going to go with Amari Rogers at 2.8. If you got any questions about that, go to my profile on Twitter at FFball all day and scroll to the pin tweet. And then we can talk afterwards, but I'm taking that and running at 2.8. Yeah, I like that pick. I almost took Rogers over Rondell Moore, but I, I went with more obviously. And 
And here I'm I'm kind of torn between a couple players. Uh, I will go ahead and select him on Ross St. Brown, wide receiver for the Lions. He, you know, we know I love my boy Cephas, but I do think uh, St. Brown is going to walk into an opportunity really to be a big contributor in this offense. He's a really competitive receiver. He's got pretty good overall athleticism and uh, really just a tough tough receiver i think he fits the dan campbell mold of of biting kneecaps or or whatever he said in his press conference but uh yeah i'm i'm, in, I'm intrigued by monra st brown and, and his role in the lions offense in year one so even with the starter uh, quintess cephas returning well we know hawkinson's gonna see <laughs> one million targets we know cephas is gonna be a superstar that leaves enough of a pie for Amon Ross St. Brown. No, I'm, I'm kidding. We obviously, the Quintez Sivas love has gone a little little far. We've been leaning into that, but I do like Sivas a bit. But yes, even with even with him ascending, I'll take uh, Amon Ra. All right, so I'm back up here at 210, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take my let's see, I believe my RB2 of this draft. I'm gonna go with Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I know we, I know Miles Sanders is the clear cut one in Philadelphia, but uh, we do know that Kenny is going to be involved uh, in that offense and they're going to be heavy on the screens and heavy on the run game and Sanders can't carry everything. So his backup will need some work. Uh, I think it's a good value, probably an RB three based off just pass down work. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Kenny here two ten. See, I think that's a good pick. And I think, and I talked about this earlier this week on my Miles Sanders article, and I don't think people are paying enough attention. Teams are preparing for more of a committee role with the longer season. Miles Sanders, um, Kenny Gainwell, Christian McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard, Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, Tony Pollard, Zeke. Like every team is prepared for, you know, like the two running back role. So you're going to see more of the backup. Does it make them more fantasy viable? We will see. You would think so. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have a guy who's getting 25% work and now he gets 35% work, that's value. So I think people are sleeping on these running back handcuffs, especially someone as dynamic as Gainwell. So I absolutely love that selection. Um, and then I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony. Look, I don't care what you think about the guy. The kid can play. I don't care about his analytical profile. With Well, I do to a degree, but when it's late in the second round and I got somebody who's as good at football as he is, who was a first-round draft pick, I'm going to take that and I'm going to be very excited about it. So, I mean, for me, that's a no-hesitation selection with Kadarius Tony, which would put Chad on the clock. Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping Kenny Gainwell would would last here. He's the other one I was thinking about with my last pick, so um, I really liked that selection. But I am happy that Diami Brown is still on the board. I am going to select him here. He's a pretty explosive player. Uh, makes a lot of big plays. You know, he's a good route runner. I think he's going to fit in pretty well. Obviously, there's the question with with the the football team signing Curtis Samuel, but I think there's enough to go around in that offense. I mean, they've lacked playmakers uh, of late. So I think he'll add another element to that offense, and I'm happy to get him at the end of the second round. All right here. So at the top of the third, 
I'm going to go with one of my other guys that I am taking at value. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the quarterback pool and I'm going to take Davis Mills. And here's my reasoning behind it. If you haven't seen it on Twitter is that the Texans had limited draft capital this year. They knew that they would be picking at the top of the draft again next year. And they still opted to take a quarterback this year. That's interesting. And that's significant to me. It tells them that they might not necessarily think uh, that they need to take a quarterback next year, that they can build their team elsewhere. Um, now, obviously, if David Mills shits the bed, then obviously they're going to take a quarterback. But he will play this year. Um, that is that is for certain. For how many games, I'm, I'm unsure. But they are going to give him enough games to evaluate him moving into 2022. Here in the third round in a super flex league, if he hits, good. If he doesn't, it's not, a, you know, you lost the third round pick. Not a huge deal especially at the most important position at the in a super flex format. So that is the dice that I will throw. Uh, and I'll, I'll take my Davis Mills, Nico Collins stack. All right. So the entire time Matt was talking, I was trying to decide who I'm taking here. Um, and it's really down to Chuba and Fearmuth. Um, I, we just talked about how valuable the, the handcuff running backs are, and Chuba's got some upside, but I think I want to roll with Fearmouth here and take another piece of that pie, I guess, so to speak, and hopefully hope that, you know, he turns into what you think he could be. He's a great tight end prospect. Um, you know, it is full PPR, so you don't get that bonus, but I, th- I still think he's worth a shot, and especially in the third round, you're not risking a whole lot. Yeah, I I am also considering Hubert uh, Chuba Hubbard with another player right here, but I liked Chuba Hubbard coming out a little bummed with his landing spot being blocked by CMC. But as you said, longer season, they're gonna have to mix in uh, some other other talent at the position. CMC's not gonna hold up with the massive workload over a seventeen game season, and of course. The immense upside that Chuba has if CMC does get injured again. We saw it with Mike Davis last year, and Chuba Hubbard is, I think, worthy of an opportunity like that. So if he gets it, I want him on my team. So with that, I'm going Chuba Hubbard here with the third selection of the third round. All right, at 3-4, I'm going to take my guy. Give me Amir Smith-Marset here. Uh, a little bit like some of the other wide receivers I've taken. I, f- I feel like uh, Amir Smith-Marset Smith Marset has a, a good, uh, land, very good landing spot. Uh, and he's on the same path as, as a Stefan Diggs. You know, they're both fifth round picks. You know, they're both uh, compare favorably in size. Uh, and, and Diggs had a slightly better college uh, production profile, but not, not jaw dropping. Um, Smith Marset, I, I like year one. I like him as the wide receiver three immediately. I think he, I think a, a good goal uh, to be happy with him would be anywhere between 40 and 50 targets. I think that's well within the range of possibilities. Uh, and then moving into year two, uh, you know, next year, Adam Thielen is, is 31, I believe, 32. He's not going to be around forever. Uh, so Amir Smith Marset could step in as the wide receiver two uh, within the next, you know, 12 months or so. And both, Jefferson and uh, Thielen were top 12 guys at, at, at one point last year, if I'm not mistaken, late in the season. Um, and that was with Kirk Cousins. And we would assume here in the next two years, they're probably going to upgrade their quarterback, whether it be Kellen Mond, if, if he pans out or they take another guy. 
So if, you know, the Vikings are, you know, a run heavy team producing two top 12 guys, you know, Smith Marset can step into that number two role. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of upside I, I'm looking for. All right. I love it. And that leads me perfectly into my selection of his potential franchise quarterback, Kellen Mond. Look, you're putting Kellen Mond on your taxi squad and you are going to sit there and not touch him. He is no like that roster spot no longer exists on your team. Like that is Kellen Mond's spot if you take him here. And his upside is astronomical. He's a very raw prospect. He's 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 got so many tools that you love. Um, I, I really liked him coming out, but, you know, I know he's a project, you know, and if he hits and he's developed properly, this kid's got superstar potential. And if you're swinging for the grand slam in the third round, you might as well take Kellen Mond. Absolutely. I'm all for taking swings for um, a grand slam. And with that, I'm going to take Dwayne Eskridge here. I know Matt's not a fan of that pick from the Seahawks uh, in terms of taking him in the second round. But when you get a wide receiver with second round draft capital, he's probably worth a third round rookie pick. Not all the time, but I do think Eskridge has a lot of potential. He's an explosive playmaking receiver. And of course, this is a run first offense that does have, uh, uh, why am I trying? DK Metcalf drew a blank on his name for a second. Um, and obviously Tyler Lockett. So he's not a guy that they're necessarily going to rely on instantly. But like I said, he provides big plays and he's going to get an opportunity to make some splash plays and potentially carve out a bigger role in this offense. So I like Dwayne Eskridge uh, with a third round pick. I'll take him here in the middle of the third. Uh, real quick. I actually want to take it back. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question. We went, we went with the back-to-back Vikings there at 3-4 and 3-5 with Marset and Mond. Uh, did anybody notice what they did in the draft? They added, uh, however you say his name, Keen Ngagwe, and I'm sure I butchered that and I apologize, uh, and Smith Marset. Both of those guys are absolute burners, and they really weren't positions of need. They added a lot of speed to this team, which makes me think that they might be shifting their offense a little bit, potentially away from two tight ends and into a more three wide receiver set. They also took a quarterback, as Sam mentioned, a project guy who ran a spread offense his entire college career. So I'm not saying like down the road, you know, they're going to phase out the run game totally or Dalvin Cook's going to be useless or whatever. But I wonder if they're transitioning more a little bit into a passer friendly offense. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I think, you know, you could look at it that way. You could look at it the fact that they know they've got probably two years left of Dalvin Cook being Dalvin Cook. And after that, you can't just replace a superstar running back. So I think, you know, maybe they're transitioning while trying to be compete competitive because like the sure. Smith Marset's a really good football player and Gagway can be a good third down running back. You know, like it seems like they could be, you know, Matt mentioned like, Get preparing for life after Dalvin, life with a new spread offense. I mean, like, because if those two kids hit, I mean, like, that is a lot of speed. And, you know, I think that they brought in Keen Nwanganu or whatever his name is um, to play that Amir Abdullah role. We know every now and then you come on for third downs and make a play. Um, so it seems like they're adding layers to the onion for the offense. And that's really exciting, especially for fantasy. When you see teams like Seattle doing the exact same thing, um, Seattle, I think is had one of the best off seasons because they changed up their offense. They've got an athletic tight end similar to Irv Smith. 
Um, and then they added a burner. Uh, so I think, you know, we often talk about project forward um, and read the, you know, the T reads on the wall or whatever that saying is. If you're really paying attention, and Matt may be onto something here that next year, year after that, like, you know, they could be running a bunch of 11 personnel and, you know, Irv Smith eats the center of the field and, you know, Justin Jefferson on one side and Smith Marset on the other side. I mean, like, that's a fantastic combination. So, you notice it now, but it's one of those things where you pay attention. Like if they continue making moves or maybe they thought, you know, Dalvin needed some more rest, you know, so who knows, but I think Matt's onto something. And I think that's really interesting and exciting to keep an eye on for the next two years. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, the offensive coordinator is still Clint Kubiak. So it's still in the Kubiak family, obviously, uh, with dad stepping down there, the son takes over. And the Kubiak offense is very much geared on running the ball and play action, uh, which is kind of Kirk Cousins style. So I, I think it is something to consider and think about, certainly with these moves and preparing for life after Dalvin. But I do think it's an offense that still wants to run the ball and play off of the play action offense. Yeah, for sure. All right here. So back on track at three, seven, I'm going to go with my RB three of this draft, not overall, just on my squad. I'm going to take Ramondre Stevenson here at three Oh seven. I think he fits the Patriots quote unquote, LeGarrette blunt role. Um, they are very unpredictable from week to week as far as how that running back rotation works out. But if he, you know, he does get that, LeGarrette Blunt role, you know, he could be good for every week is, you know, at least back in RB2 numbers. So it's my RB3 on this particular team. I feel like it's good value at 307. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt took my pick, which makes my next selection pretty easy. Um, I was going to go Stevenson, but I had a backup, and that's Cornell Powell. And now you're probably like, why are you taking Cornell Powell on the third? Look, I didn't mind his tape. I thought he was okay. You know, I mean, like, nothing sexy, nothing like alarming i mean just a good player um and they need an all they need a wide receiver too on that offense because they don't have one michael hardman's not good at football sammy watkins well also not good at football but he's also gone um byron pringle you know he's 28 like he's he's never it you know i mean like he's been in the league for a long time so you're they drafted this kid who's got possession wide receiver ability i'm not saying like possession wide receiver like michael thomas or julio but i'm saying like a possession wide receiver where you can throw the ball to him and he'll, he can catch, you know, six, seven passes, make a difference um, and be, you know, potentially a viable wide receiver three, um, maybe a wide receiver two, if all things go according to plan, but he's somebody that is totally different from their most recent pro profiles. They tried drafting. He profiles well for what I like in an offense, because I mean, if you think about having Travis Kelsey eat the middle of the field, Tyreek Hill doing, well, let's just call it Tyreek Hill. And then Clyde edwards Elaire, they're missing something on that left side. And if Cornell Powell can develop and become that guy on the left side, essentially, then, you know, that's it. You always want a piece of the Kansas City draft pie. So if you can get an opportunity late in the third and maybe he hits, I mean, I like his tape. I didn't think he was spectacular, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you take the shot and see if you get some value out of it. And I, I think it's a good risk right there. I do think it's a good risk. And another good risk is Tutu Atwell, who was a second round pick. Again, I go back to this 
just explosive player who was a second round pick by his team. And it's in an offense that recently acquired Matthew Stafford. So it's Stafford's going to bring a boost to that offense. And Tutu Atwell comes in with McVay, who we know is creative in terms of his play calling. McVay likes to run those kind of jet sweeps, reverses with wide receivers as he does with Robert Woods. And Tutu Atwell gives him another weapon to do so with. He's also just a speed demon. He'll be effective in the return game, but uh, if they can find the right ways to use him and, and get him space where he can have the ball in space, I think... I think we could see some big plays out of Tutu and in the third round getting again, another second round wide receiver heading into a good offense. Again, Josh Reynolds is gone from that offense. So there's, I, you know, I don't know how many targets he had or how many are going away or whatnot, but he's going to have a chance to compete for a role there. And again, that's, that's the kind of guy I want to take a shot on here. All right. So at three ten here, my last pick of our mock draft i'm gonna go running back one more time i'm gonna take elijah mitchell uh running back out of san francisco i believe he was their fifth or sixth round pick um they drafted two running backs sermon and mitchell but as we alluded to pre-show uh about an hour or so ago jeff wilson went down uh with a meniscus injury he's gonna miss a handful a handful of months uh mostert is often injured Wayne Gallman is very blah. And that would leave Sermon and, and Elijah Mitchell to be your one-two punch. And Mitchell is much more shiftier, much quicker than Sermon. And if for some reason Sermon's not good, you know, we do know they always ride with the hot hand. You know, if Mitchell shows up, you know, rips off one or two carries, you know, for 20 yards or so, that could be it for the game. He could be the guy for that game. So here at 310, I'm going to roll with Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I like it. Um, and you made my selection a little bit easier because I really liked Elijah Mitchell coming out. And I also really like Khalil Herbert, um, but I'm going to pass on him and take him hype later in this draft. If I can get him um, the guy that I'm taking here would be somebody, if you're going to trust the talent and hope he hits somehow. Um, and it was a lot of people's off season darling would be Tylen Wallace. Um, I mean, Fantasy Twitter is not necessarily a great place to get prospect advice, but second, a lot of people were second, third round pick, and he went to the fourth, which is fourth isn't, I mean, fourth's not good, but it's not a killer. Um, you're just kind of hoping with Tylen Wallace that the analytics come through for this one because he was pretty average on tape, in my opinion. And, it's probably like wide receiver nine, 10 in the class, but he's, he's got some talent. Um, he's a good analytical profile. So if you're in that sort of, you know, lottery guessing, um, you take him and hope that, you know, him and Bateman become the one, two punch and um, becomes a viable wide receiver two, wide receiver three in fantasy, because outside of that, I'm not sure what a ceiling is. Yeah. I like those picks. I like, uh, I was hoping Elijah Mitchell would be here. Didn't necessarily expect him to. Khalil Herbert, like you said, Sam, is is really interesting. He's a guy I would target a little later in your rookie drafts for sure. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Des Fitzpatrick with the last pick of the third round. Not a player I was necessarily super high on coming out, but he does. I mean, he's 6'2". He's, he's got a, you know, he's a, he's a bigger, tough receiver. He can play the outside 
in Tennessee opposite of A.J. Brown. I don't know that he'll necessarily step into that role right away, but there's obviously an opportunity for him to do so. Do so. The depth chart for the Titans is, is pretty bleak after losing Corey Davis um, once you get past A.J. Brown. They signed Josh Reynolds, but – you know, they also lost John U. Smith. Like the pass catchers there are just uninspiring after AJ Brown. And I like Des Fitzpatrick enough to to carve out a role. And uh, at the end of the third round, I'm I'm happy to to take him here. He he's a good example of chase the draft capital. Uh, he wasn't really on any a lot of people's boards, but they drafted him relatively highly. I mean, they it wasn't like a fifth round pick or anything. I mean, like they went and got this kid. Um, I, I think he's just a guy, um, but somebody's going to catch passes on that offense next to AJ Brown. If it's not Julio Jones and it very well could be this kid. Um, and you know, I don't care what you think about a guy at some point, he becomes a fantasy value and, you know, for the draft capital they've got invested in, you take that. And I love that pick. Yeah, for sure. And we, we talk about it a lot, like flipping guys, flipping picks. It's all about value, right? And if you take a guy like Des Fitzpatrick and he earns that number two role and he he gets, you know, a lot of good training camp write-ups and things of that nature, you flip him for more, you know, if you don't love the player. I just think getting a guy like that at the end of the third that they could potentially hold that kind of value is, is a good place to take him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he does earn that number two wide receiver job, some at some point throughout the season, he's going to have a ton of value. So, uh, yeah, that's that's another thing to keep in mind as well. They also lost Janu as well, and I, I don't, right. I, I'll never understand the Anthony Fersker hype. I mean, he's he's a blocking tight end, but you know, let Twitter go on. But you know, Corey Davis finished, I believe it was wide receiver thirty five last year, as playing second fiddle. So, wide receiver three, you know, top end wide receiver four finish for Des Fitzpatrick is very possible. Yeah. And I think when I say that, you know, or Sam, when you say like chasing that draft capital, I don't necessarily recommend doing that early on in a, in a rookie draft. Like don't convince yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Is good. But later in the draft, right. That's when you, you take those guys and, and just hope they earn a role, but. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. like that's a prime example of like looking at a draft board and saying, Oh, well, you know, he got drafted higher than, you know, like a Nico Collins. Oh, you know, he's overdrafted Nico Collins. Oh, and it's like, but there's a clear prospect gap. I mean, like Nico Collins is potentially one of those guys who's a physical freak. So don't, but you can, if, if there's becomes a hype train and you want to cash out and, you know, say in late August, you know, Josh Palmer or Des Fitzpatrick, sorry, wrong, bad rookie wide receiver um he's over there lighting it up in tennessee and you know there's a hype train and nico collins having good camps you know like see if you can't cash out on twitter hype because you can you'd be amazed how many people you don't even think follow twitter analysts follow twitter analysts you can cash out all the time so like you play you know so if you draft him and he has a you know a hype or he has a good week one or something cash out if you don't love the pick i mean you're not bound to a relationship if you're not married and you're not married in the third round it's like it's a lot different i mean if, if you take it you know elijah mitchell in the first round like you are married to that dude and he better become a star so you know it's all about the risk and value and that's what we talk about all the time is risk versus value versus reward and 
You know, I mean, like there's probably not a lot of reward there, but there's value to be had. And I don't care who you are. There's nothing sexier than winning a championship. And if you win a championship and some guy you drafted in the third round was your last flex that week, you don't care where you drafted him. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. And another guy I'll mention, I drafted at 209 is Amon Ross St. Brown. And he's a guy that I, I like the value at 209. Again, I like the player. Okay. But he's a guy that a lot of people are probably going to chase just because he's going to have an opportunity in that offense. And he could end up going a lot higher in some people's rookie drafts, which I wouldn't necessarily advise because it's not going to be a good team. They don't have a very good offensive line. And just because he has a chance to carve out a role there, don't convince yourself that he's worth like a late first round pick or something. Uh, again, to Sam's point, if you do, then you are pretty much tied to him. You're not going to be getting that value back if he doesn't show up and show out right away. So also, uh, I also think you have to look down the road, you know, at the line situation, it's like, you know, they didn't have really anybody of, of legitimate, you know, name or, or draft capital at the wide receiver position, you know, this year, I mean, I, what was it? Cephas was a fifth round pick, I believe something like that. Yep. You know, sure. You know, they drafted St. Brown, you know, I don't remember what round third, whatever it was, you know, they got I, a couple, a couple of guys. I like, you know, Jonathan Adams and, and Sage Charette as undrafted guys, but those guys typically don't work out. So it's like, you know, like Chad said, if you're going to invest a first round pick, you know, that's a mistake because moving into next year, they could draft another wide receiver who could become the one. So because they don't, they don't already don't have a lot. So if you're like, well, St. Brown's the only guy this year, well, then obviously they're going to draft another guy next year or they're going to trade for somebody or sign for someone. So I, I would be cautious with players like that who, who you look at and are like, oh, he's the one right now. That doesn't mean they're going to be the one again next year. Like if you want to take, you know, look at my pick, two picks earlier, Nico Collins, he's the two right now because Brandon Cooks is the one. So he still has room to grow and he profiles as a number one, whereas St. Brown doesn't. So you kind of have to look at that stuff, even though, yes, you're trying to win this year. You also have to, you know, make sure you're moving from year to year with a sustainable roster. I want to add this. If you're making a selection and, and I don't like Chad, I'm not trying to attack you here, um, but it fits perfectly. If you are making a, a selection and you have to build a narrative in your head that it's a good selection it's a bad pick. And I'm not, and, and this is going to sound harsh, but Trey Sermon at 1.12, I would not have made that selection. Um, I probably would have traded back, but it's not like, it's not a horrible pick. I mean, he's got late day two draft capital, you know, I mean, like we know that they, you know, feed the hot hand, like he's going to play. I mean, he's absolutely going to play. Um, and he's the highest drafted, you know, so it's like, but when you start to piece together, oh, well, you know, Mostert is always hurt, you know, he's highest draft, like you want to draft talent. And I always say draft talent, trade for need. And every time I selected a player today, I went with who I thought was the best player available at the time. Um, so when you're making those draft selections, if you got to talk yourself into it, like if last year you're sitting there at 1.12 and Keyshawn Vaughn's there and, you know, Rojo, you know, he can't catch. And, um, you know, he, he couldn't beat out Peyton Barber early in the year. And, and, you know, it's like, if you've got to like talk yourself into the selection, you're making a bad pick because that's the pick that anytime you talk yourself into it, you know, narrative street, and then you make it, you instantly regret it. Like if you ever made a pick and then you immediately regret it, 
that's what's going to happen if you, you know, live on narrative street instead of talent street, because you can go through and take who you believe is the best player available and then trade later. Because like you could have went, you know, Terrace Marshall at 12 and then maybe, you know, he Trey Sermon follows you at 2.4 and you didn't feel like you reached. I mean, like, so when you're doing these rookie drafts, cause it's rookie draft season draft talent, trade for need and if you live and die by that motto you will have surpluses of talent everywhere and that way you can capitalize when and where you can use those draft picks like if you have seven wide receivers that are all studs you can use those like cash hey i got you know two wide receivers that i don't need you know like hey i got tony and daimi you know, hey, how close are we to, you know, Najee Harris? And what else can I add to that? Like, if you use draft picks and draft the best player available and then use them as cash surplus when you can, your teams will look different every year. And that's how you operate. You know, so I always say project forward and draft talent, trade for need. So that's where I'm at with those. Yeah, I think that's important to say and and make that point. I to the sermon pick, I think, you know, if you're picking at 112, unless you traded for this the selection, you you won your title, you're probably in a position to take a guy like that. That we know that running backs turn over quickly, right? So if I'm a yeah, absolutely. I'm, I like to reload at running back every, you know, every year, every couple years, whatever. So I think that's where, like, if you have a contending team and you have an opportunity to add a running back that can come in, touch the football right away, and you can potentially move one of your veteran running backs for, you know, a young wide receiver or something like that, that's where I think it's a good move to take Sermon. But absolutely, you're right, Sam. Like, don't try to convince yourself or talk yourself into a selection because you will instantly regret it. Well, I think, can I ask you this? I think it's oh. interesting real quick just looking at it like – to be honest with you guys, if you had not taken Sermon at 12, I would have taken him at 2-1. So, but when you look at it, it's like the optics of it look bad right now. But, you know, at the end of next year, it could look really good because, you know, at 2-2, yeah. Sam took the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. And he's like, why is he a second round pick? You know, that, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't think that pick is bad, but there's a lot writing on it. For sure. Yeah, and I typically, that's why I said try to avoid the writing and just go for the talent. And it's like, but let me counter and ask you this. You're, you pick 12. You hypothetically just won a championship. You know, your team doesn't have a lot of holes. Running backs are more valuable in, you know, to a degree. Like I always say, if you got a player, two players who are tied, I always take the running back. Right. Um, so do you, after the Jeff Wilson news, do you have, you know, Trey Sermon neck and neck with Jalen Waddle, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore. Um, like, do you have them neck and neck? Because I personally still think there's a little bit of a gap. So I probably, you know, would have passed on Sermon a little bit longer. But, you know, I'm asking because if you're picking 12 and you have the ability to, you know, be like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, just take whoever the hell you believe is the best player. Um, is that your way of saying that you think he's, you know, currently better and will be better than some of those guys down the road? Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, this is like an instant reaction kind of thing as we just got yeah. this news. So like, I don't want to commit to it, but I do think they are neck and neck and I wouldn't have a problem taking guys like Bateman or Waddle or Terrace Marshall or Elijah Moore ahead of Sermon, just because 
you know, if you don't believe Sermon's any good, then, then yeah, don't take him. He's not my favorite prospect, but I think he fits that system pretty well. I think he's going to come in and have a, a, a piece of the pie. And again, if I'm a contender, like Waddle, his situation, like I like the player. I don't necessarily love that offense for him, especially right away. They, they suddenly have kind of a surplus of wide receivers. He's probably not a guy that's going to play for me. If I'm going to, if I'm a contender right away, maybe Terrace Marshall more so. Um, but if, if, if Sermon's coming in and he has as big of a role as I think he can and will have now with Jeff Wilson being out of the picture, if I'm a contender, I'm happy to take him there, plug him in and flip one of my running backs for a younger receiver. Perhaps I even trade, uh, you know, back up with one of my surplus right. older running backs to go get like Jalen Waddle or something. But to answer your question, long story short, yeah, I think I would have them in the same tier right now. But um, is there do you, any – Do you yeah, guys – Last year, let's just take it back to the college football season. If if Devontae Smith had went down and broke his ankle, do you think Jalen Waddle could have done the same thing? I I wouldn't like, say not necessarily win the Heisman or put up the right. same numbers, but carry the team as the wide receiver one. Um because yes, I don't, I don't know what it is, but something about Waddle scares me because it's a gut feeling. You know, I know he's a good football player. He pops on film. He's freak freakishly fast. You know, he's got good hands, good route runner, but you know, how impactful was he at Alabama? Because they showed that they didn't even need him last year. And, and it was kind of the same thing with, you know, with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, like they all buried each other. And I I think I, I don't know. I Waddle just scares me. And it's kind of the same thing as St. Brown. Like he doesn't profile as your one. So what's stopping the Dolphins from going out and getting another guy? Because I mean they tried to get Kenny Galladay. I don't think that would have stopped them from drafting Waddle at six if they had landed Galladay. Or they might go get Allen Robinson next year or Chris Godwin off the tag. So I I don't know. Waddle scares me. I think where I'm at with that is really just when you've got 25 five star wide receivers. You know, like he was replaced by Richie Mechie, who's damn good in his own right. So I don't think when it's a situation like that, I don't read into it because, well, I mean, Alabama has been producing five-star first-round wide receivers, you know, for as long as we can remember. So that's how I feel about that. But Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat scared. Like if he's a second-round pick in your rookie draft, I love it. Um, but he does scare me you know, the higher he climbs up your, your rookie draft board because of kind of what you alluded to Matt. And, and honestly, I, I think Tua can take a step forward, but I mean, Devonte Parker, Will Fuller, Mike uh, the rookie tight end that's, that's that I'm blanking on. They, they took him and then, you know, obviously Preston Williams is still there. And I just don't know if it's going to be an offense that really can spread the ball around where he's going to see, a ton of volume. And I do think even after, you know, Parker's gone and if, if Fuller's gone after this year, I do think they're going to try to sign or acquire somebody like the profiles as a number one, like Galladay and use Waddle kind of as a, as an explosive number two. Yeah. I've said it before, you know, TJ shark is a free agent next year. Yeah. That's a good, he's, he's going to be a one for somebody or at least in a one B role to somebody's one a, 
So, I mean, but you know, at two, two, the value is fine. Like I have no issue with that, but I feel like he's like on my list of, you know, if I owned him the first hundred yard touched hundred yard game with a touchdown he has, I am selling it to somebody who won't shut up about, you know, who won't stop talking about him for the farm. Absolutely. I think that's a good move. Um, real quick before we head out of here, go ahead, Sam. Did you have something to say? Nope. Okay. Um, just before we get out of here, is there any other guys you want to highlight or who's kind of at the top of your board heading into the fourth round potentially that we didn't, that we didn't talk about? I think the only names, I mean, Kyle Trask is still available. If you want to just kind of, again, throw a quarterback on the, on the taxi squad or whatever, he, I, I don't love it, but Tom Brady has to retire sometime and it seems like they might be grooming Trask. Um, we talked about Khalil Herbert who, I like quite a bit. Um, Frank Darby's not my favorite prospect, but if the Falcons do trade Julio, he's worth a late dart throw. Um, I think one, I, one guy I'd like to highlight sure. uh, is uh, Jacob Harris, the yep. wide receiver tight end convert that got drafted in the fourth round to the Rams. Uh, this guy is an athletic specimen. I mean, he is more, I believe his profile is ever so slightly better than Darren Waller's. I think Darren Waller has an inch on him, but you know, same situation wide receiver convert. Uh, he does have draft capital in, in the fourth round for his position, which is good. Um, the only guy standing in front of him is, is really is Tyler Higby and, and I'm, you know, Bryson Hopkins, you know, Bryson Hopkins is not, it's not a bad football player, but you know, they drafted Harris to do something. I mean, you don't take a guy, you know, with his abilities in the fourth round, you know, to be your tight end three, like he might be the tight end one day one, depending on how the summer goes. So for those of you in, in deeper leagues, you know, tight end premium, two tight end leagues, uh, whatever it may be, I think he's a really, really interesting stash uh, at, at that position. Yeah, I love that. I love that name. That's a, that's a good one. I think I'll add Chris Evans, the running back going to out of Michigan, going to Cincinnati's interesting. I love me some Jarrett Patterson undrafted to Washington. He's a guy to keep an eye on. And then Josh Palmer, obviously, uh, to the Chargers becomes interesting with his draft. He was a third round pick, I believe it was. But uh, regardless, any names you want to throw out, Sam, before we head out of here? Uh, No, I think you guys hit all the other ones I would talk about. I mean, other than Khalil Herbert, but. I mean, he'll always be the backup to David Montgomery, so I guess it's more of a handcuff game. For sure, but I I don't know. Maybe I don't like Montgomery as much as others, but I think if, if Montgomery runs the way he looked uh, before his late-season breakout last year, I wouldn't be surprised to see Herbert get get some run. But uh, what do you – you got something to add, Matt? Yeah, just one more name uh, before we get out of here. Uh, just real quick, Kenny Yaboa, another interesting tight end prospect, super athletic. Uh, he did go undrafted, so the chances he hits are slim. Uh, but he is only competing with uh, Chris Herndon, and this is kind of the same offense that George Kittle's in. So, you know, between Chris Herndon and Kenny Yaboa, um, I believe Kenny Yaboa is the better football player. Um, you know, that, that could potentially be a very, very uh, friendly uh, tight end to have as far as points go, you know if you have someone like Yaboa in the George Kittle type role in a similar offense. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. For sure. That's a good name to throw in as well. 
that's going to do it for our show. Remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. If you're not sure, head on over to FF ball all day backslash Patreon. Check out, uh, get an idea of what you get with our Patreon. I promise you will not regret it. At least check it out. Give it a chance. With that said, we will be back next week. Thank you for being here with us on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring inside info you won't get anywhere else.